In the fast-paced world of pharma manufacturing, where cutting-edge research and groundbreaking discoveries are constantly changing the landscape, one critical aspect often remains unseen but plays a pivotal role in patient well-being, container closure integrity. Container closure integrity ensures that medications maintain their potency and safety throughout their shelf life, protecting them from external elements that could compromise their quality. Hi, I'm Andrea Corona, Senior Editor for Pharma Manufacturing Magazine, and you're listening to a special Solution Spotlight edition of Offscript, a pharma manufacturing podcast about what's happening behind the scenes in our magazine and what's trending in the drug industry. Joining me today to talk about the critical significance of container closure integrity and its far-reaching implications within the pharma industry is Derek Duncan, the Director of Product Line at Lighthouse Instruments. In our conversation, we discuss container closure integrity's role in maintaining sterility, preserving sensitive formulations, and safeguarding headspace gas conditions. We also discuss the evolving landscape of CCI testing, regulatory guidance, and the unique considerations posed by innovative therapies with extreme storage and transport requirements. Good afternoon for you. Thank you for joining me today. Yep. Good afternoon. Um, I have a few questions here for you, so let's go ahead and get started with them. So the first question that, that I'm wondering about is, what is container closure integrity and why is it critical for sterile injectable products? Right. Yeah. So historically, container closure integrity has always been linked to the maintenance of sterility of a sterile injectable product. Um, obviously, if a sterile container loses its container closure, uh, there's a danger then for microbial contamination. So that means uh, microorganisms getting inside and contaminating the product. And for a sterile product, this is the worst quality failure you could have. Um, over the years, that's broadened the uh, because now you have a lot of uh, pharmaceutical injectable products uh, that require the maintenance of the headspace gas composition. So, for example, uh, a lot of current uh, pharmaceutical formulations, uh, especially the biopharmaceuticals, uh, which are large protein molecules, uh, there is some risk that they will interact with oxygen, for example, that they're oxygen sensitive. Um, so, when you actually package these pharmaceuticals, you need to overlay um, uh, an inert gas uh, in the headspace of the container, for example, nitrogen, to protect the formulation from oxygen. So now uh, the container closure requirements are actually more strict for this type of product because not only do you want to prevent microorganisms from coming inside, you actually also want to prevent gas molecules from coming inside. And so um, a lot of the modern injectable products want to maintain uh, a certain gas composition. Uh, and so I think today, in today's world, uh, there are actually stricter requirements for uh, for container closure integrity. So what are the main considerations for CCF for, for a sterile, sterile product? Right. So uh, the most typical uh, container uh, that uh, is used in the pharmaceutical industry for a uh, sterile pharmaceutical product is a stoppered vial. Uh, and so there are a couple, and I'll use, I'll just use that as as the common example. There are a couple ways uh, that a sterile uh, product vial uh, can can lose its container closure. Either there's some sort of damage on the container uh, which causes a container closure failure, or uh, the vial itself is just not sealed properly. So the rubber stopper uh, and the cap 
and the crimp that are used to seal the vial uh, just do not work well for some reason and the vial is not sealed properly. Now, um, uh, for damaged vials, uh, most companies, in fact, all companies, I think, are required uh, to do a visual inspection process to look for damage on the container. Um, but there are other types of container closure failures that can happen. For example, a stopper that's not seated properly, you'll never detect that with visual inspection. Um, so you need to generate uh, container closure integrity data, either in studies or as part of the manufacturing process itself uh, to make sure that all of your samples um, or that you know, all the, the batch of this pharmaceutical product uh, that you can guarantee or or have confidence that container closure, good container clo container closure integrity uh, is being achieved. So with that in mind, how have companies traditionally handled uh, closure, container closure integrity testing? Right. So traditionally, again, this was in the realm of microbiology because people were worried about microbial ingress. And so one of the early tests, which is sometimes used today, is what's called a microbial ingress test. Um, and what people do is they will have uh, a container of, uh, let's say, a, a microbial soup, uh, and they actually will submerge containers uh, into this microbial uh, uh, um, mix and then wait for a while, uh, take them out, and see uh, through in using incubation uh, and microbiological methods, see if any mi microbes actually did ingress into this container. So that's a very direct microbial ingress test. Of course, this is very messy. This test actually is, is not really uh, advised anymore by the regulators because there's lots of uh, possibilities for failures in this test. Um, and so the industry moved to what's called a blue dye ingress test. And here, instead of dumping your containers into microbial soup, you actually submerge your containers into a bath of blue dye liquid. And the idea here is if there's a leak in this container, then blue dye molecules will make their way inside the container and color the contents inside uh, blue. Uh, and then you have a, an operator who visually inspects these containers to see if they can detect any color change inside. Now, this is, a, again, kind of a, a little bit of an archaic test. Uh, it's not analytical. It's not really science-based. Um, and it, there's some subjectivity to this because you're relying on the operator to make this decision whether the color has changed or not. So um, USP 1207, so this is a chapter in the U.S. Pharmacopeia, was implemented in 2016. Uh, and actually recommends moving away from these traditional methods to detect or to test for container closure integrity. Uh, they call those methods probabilistic because the outcome, there's some uncertainty, and you're really relying on some probabilistic events to make the detection. Instead, this USP 1207 chapter uh, recommends to move towards analytical deterministic methods is what they call them. Uh, and these methods are actually based on an analytical measurement. Um, so either you set up a test method which uh, detects, for example, the flow of gas in and out of a container because it's leaking. 
Um, so uh, this is where the industry is evolving. Um, and I think some more regulatory uh, guidance has recently come out in, in Europe, the EU Annex 1. Um, and they also have a new language for their container closure requirements. And I think all of this is uh, moving the industry from these traditional probabilistic methods to these new analytical deterministic methods. So we're in the middle of this process of the in, of the industry evolving towards uh, towards new methods for container closure. Thank you. I believe you answered my next question. Um, okay. Maybe, maybe a little bit, but I'll still ask it just in case you want to expand on anything. Yeah. Uh, how, how has new regulatory guidance inspired the pharma industry to make changes in container closure integrity testing best practices? Right. Yeah, so I can expand a little bit on what I what I said before. So I, I mentioned two, you know, kind of regulatory guidances or regulatory documents, um, the U.S. Pharmacopeia Chapter 1207 uh, and the new EU GMP uh, Annex 1. Um, so from the language in these, in these containers, it's clear um, that regulators are trying to do two things, move to these new deterministic methods that I uh, mentioned before, and then secondly, uh, to take more of what's called a product lifecycle approach to container closure. And this means that before you actually get to the manufacturing stage, you should already be generating data to show and demonstrate uh, that your container or primary packaging system uh, you know, actually has and can maintain good container closure integrity. So this means that in development studies, for example, packaging development, um, you're looking at your con the containers that you're going to use and already doing studies and generating data to show that these containers have good closure. Also, perhaps in certain storage conditions that might uh, need to be used for your particular product. Um, and so stressing this product lifecycle approach uh, means that you're not just doing testing in manufacturing or on actual product, but that, that you're actually doing scientific studies beforehand uh, to demonstrate and prove good container closure. Um, and so um, uh, another thing that the, these uh, new guidances, uh, regulatory guidances are asking for is to take a more holistic approach. So it's also not just testing those containers themselves, but making sure that the process that you are using to assemble those containers and seal them that these processes are consistent and robust. Uh, and so you not only need to test the container, but you also need to test the process. Uh, and that's a holistic uh, product lifecycle approach, which I believe uh, is uh, what the regulators uh, believe should be the future. So have innovative therapies that require extreme storage uh, and transport temperatures added extra considerations for container closure testing? Right, and, and that's a good example of a very specific type of product that requires some extra attention. So I think during the pandemic, everybody became aware, you know, of these COVID vaccines that needed to be stored at very low temperatures, you know, minus 80 degrees Celsius. Um, and studies have shown actually that the traditional uh, packages or containers that the pharmaceutical industry uses were actually not designed for those very low temperatures. Um, and so as an example, you know, these, these COVID vaccines that were produced during the pandemic, 
um, actually quite a lot of data had to be generated in a very short amount of time to really show that these containers that were being stored and transported at these very low temperatures were able to maintain good container closure integrity. Um, and scientific studies have shown that there is extra risk at these temperatures that um, when you go down to these very low temperatures, the container can lose container closure and be open during this cold temperature uh, storage. Uh, and when you take them out of this ultra cold temperature storage, they warm back up and actually reseal themselves. So it's very difficult to actually detect these failures, right? Um, and so, you know, what the technology that we focus on at Lighthouse Instruments Headspace Analysis actually is able to detect these types of failures because we measure the changes in the gas composition uh, of the containers. And when gas comes in during this cold storage, even if that vial reseals itself afterwards, you can still measure that the headspace inside these containers have changed. And that's a good indication, or that is an indication, that that vial failed at these low temperatures. So that's an example of, um, of a very particular type of pharmaceutical product which can lose its container closure uh, in certain conditions. Um, and so uh, as a pharmaceutical manufacturer, you need to be aware of this. And again, make sure you take this product lifecycle approach, do the studies that you need to do to prove that your container and your product is actually working properly uh, so that when you get to manufacturing, uh, you know, you already have this knowledge in hand and you know what to test for and how to test for it. You just answered some of my next question as well with that, but I'll, I'll ask it again just in case. Um, given all these changes, what type of approach should pharma manufacturers take towards assuring good container closure? Right. And I think that's that, you know, that question, the answer to that is kind of a summary of what we've talked about. Um, because, you know, number one, uh, I think you want to make sure that you have the right tools in your toolbox to generate good container closure integrity data. Um, and as well, you know, as we mentioned at the beginning of this uh, of this talk, uh, that means uh, moving uh, or adding these deterministic methods described in USP 1207, uh, so that you have more than just the microbial ingress test or the blue dye ingress test. You know, to do all these studies that you should be doing in development. So that's the second point make sure you start early with generating data on your container closure integrity uh, so that you have a good understanding of it before you get to manufacturing. Uh, and once you get to manufacturing, uh, you know, implement this holistic approach where you're also looking at your process, making sure, for example, in, in, in the stoppered vial case, that your capping and crimping process uh, has been robustly tested uh, and qualified um, uh, to produce good container closure. So that in addition to the testing that you do in manufacturing, you're also monitoring the process and making sure that the process is, is working well. So that's kind of a summary, I think, of what we talked about. And, and those are the things I think to pay attention to as a, as a manufacturer of sterile pharmaceutical product uh, when it comes to container closure integrity. Thank you so much for joining me and for all your, all your insights. Um, and we really appreciate your time. All right, thank you. 
To our audience, this is Andrea Corona, and you've been listening to a special edition of Offscript, a farm manufacturing podcast. Stay healthy and stay informed. Thank you for tuning in.